Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Hail Caesar, directed by Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen, and released in 2016. The plot of Hail Caesar goes something like this. In 1950s Hollywood, a studio fixer deals with the kidnapping of his leading man. Yeah, it does. Um, I didn't think this movie was as funny as I hoped it would be. I had lots of fun watching it. I had fun, but I feel like I think they had all these good elements, but they didn't use them the way that I think I would have liked to see them used or effectively enough. Um, I, I think they really underused, especially Scarlett Johansson and Channing Tatum. Yeah, like these big movie stars who have these tiny, tiny roles. And Scarlett's role as well was didn't wasn't really the Esther Williams alike. Yeah. It, See, the thing is, I love really doing her. anything. Like she was, she was gorgeous, and she was a really fun character. But didn't like it just sort of stopped. Like yes. the, the story was like this tiny little sub story and was too easily resolved. But I thought Channing Tatum's was as well, even though he's kind of essential to the plot. He's almost ne- not in yeah. it. Well, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying is that because when I saw the trailer, I thought that she was like involved in them trying to figure out what was going on. Mm. And, you know, the, the scene with Jonah Hill, I thought might be her trying to get information out of somebody and playing mm. up the flirtiness, but it's just a scene. And you're like, that's really weird. Like, why wouldn't you use her more? And I think, uh, I really think the Coen brothers have like women problems, mm. um, in that they don't know how to write women well. No. Um, women are always like, assistants and wives and background characters and they're not they don't give them enough to do i mean apart from fargo obviously um but they're okay with women who are married to them (laughs) yeah but they don't really like in this one i mean it just i was like why wouldn't you use her more she's doing such a good job in this movie she's Mm. so funny and like it felt like the best scenes in the movie were not scenes in this movie but scenes of other movies within the movie like the Channing Tatum dancing oh, yeah, yeah. singing and dancing was so funny and all the like little you know gay jokes in it and stuff mm. but like it you know it was so cute and funny and I liked that yeah um, and it was so nicely choreographed and it just looked like a real dance but like with a little twist on it and yeah. it was it was you know all really performed and it was great I loved it mm. I loved that scene yeah that, that I was, was just grinning like an idiot at the end of that yeah scene. well that was a lovely like ensemble stage type bit of work in the middle of a movie mm. it was fantastic but i also liked the esther williams tribute bit. yeah yeah that w- oh my god those synchronized swimmers yeah. that was so good right exactly so that that's what i mean like i really liked the movies within movies even hail caesar kind of had some fun bits um clancy brown was in that so that always makes me happy oh that mad moon yeah that exactly <laughs> that's what i'm saying like that scene and then the scene right after which was so charming and funny like it's mm. just not i don't know why they don't kind of focus on those bits they kept changing to stuff that i wasn't interested in and the main character josh brolin's um like you know film noir like mm. private dick style character that's not what he is but it's a very similar kind of character mm. it's so boring yeah i mean he it is a bit weird like he he's got some quirky traits like he's obviously at least nominally catholic and likes to go to his priest to confess a lot mm. um but and so you know i guess there's the catholic guilt but it's it's not really like a character it's like things he does mm. a character trait and you know he's he's kind to his wife who is way younger than him alison pill yeah uh, alison pill well, she just but, has the strangest career man yeah but like he's kind to her so you know he's he's kind like it, there's no yeah, character. but then he goes like the first thing that we see but, him do. But we, we see, see him go to confession and then go and slap a woman around, right? And yeah, the well, yeah, I mean, there's that whole you know um, hypo- hypocrisy at the center of his character, and then he, he's kind to his wife, but he's never home. Like he comes home, is late for dinner, his children are already in bed, and he gets up and leaves. Right, and that is never like, and and also there's this whole thing about how he's thinking about changing jobs, and mm. uh, I could not tell when this movie was set. By 1950s, the way, 1950s, yeah. I, I, I was just like, but we already know about the atom bomb, right? 
right? Yeah. That's we, this we, era, they, right? Well, yeah, they, they've already let off the atomic bomb in that era. Right. But they were testing them because the Cold War was on and commies. Right. Yeah, I, that was, I didn't figure it out until the, the communists, I think. Although I knew, no, I knew they were communists. I don't know. I was confused. Yeah. I don't know. Josh Brolin was kind of a good, um, I thought, like a blank slate to project all of the crazy onto. But what is this story about? It is a bunch of Hollywood people getting together to make fun of their industry. No, but what is it? What is the story of there this movie? There is no, it's not about, it's about, well, it's about a famous movie star getting kidnapped by a bunch of communists and the people behind the scenes, the studio workers, fixers, directors and gossip columnists who make the whole thing happen. It's just so odd and like it doesn't seem like it and, and I think it's because the A plot is so boring that it doesn't seem like it's about that. Well the A plot is not I, I well it shouldn't be boring. Well not boring but, but it's very laconic. Yeah. Like there's never there's never any stakes for this actor who's been kidnapped. Yeah exactly. Like, he's, there's never he, any stakes for anybody He sort seems. of gently faints into someone's arms and he's gently moved to a house in Malibu and then he gently walks into a room of communists who explain that all about communism and that no no they've kidnapped him and um He's just going to have to hang out with them. Like, it's all very – he. you never feel like he's actually in any danger. And, and he, well, he is gets, though. like, the, this huge case of Stockholm Syndrome when he learns all about <laughs> the economics and Karl Marx and everything. But he um, – It's not even Stockholm Syndrome. He just doesn't care at all in the first place. It, for him, it's just basically another bender. Mm. He doesn't care that he's been kidnapped at all. He's just sort of like, no. yeah, whatever. The whole thing is just, like I, – and I don't know what they were trying to say with all the God stuff. It's like it was divine intervention that nothing bad happened to anybody. Everything just kind of works itself. Well, I think that and was the hypocrisy thing again because he gives this wonderful, magnificent speech and then he flubs his last line and it's all like, God damn it, oh, Jesus Christ and like all this swearing and, and they he goes from big to giving this amazing speech and, you know, the script girl's crying and it's all really amazing and then cut and it's all like meh yeah ugly but there's this gross. bit earlier that like foreshadows that when when uh josh brolin is at home and um and he's talking to his wife and he goes um oh it worked itself out and i was like oh so nothing in this movie is going to there's not going to be anybody actually solving any problems in this movie then because yep. i knew when that happened that like he, they weren't going to solve and nobody solves their own problems in this right movie. he solves his whole job is solving problems and he, he solves everybody's problems and then but the he doesn't one solve person, anybody's problems the one person who does solve her own problems, which is Scarlett Johansson, it all happens off screen. Well, no, but but Alden Ehrenreich's character. Oh yeah, he solves he that problem solves, by himself. But he solves he solves Eddie Mannix's main problem. Well, he doesn't he doesn't solely solve somebody else has solved it in the background because the police cars go past him as he's driving um Baird back to town. So he's he. But who does it? This is what I mean. This, we should know this. No, well, this is the um the assistant says to him someone had found this and they were tracing this and then they were tracing this. Right. So we. But so the some, assistant solves the problem. Well, not. Well, no, she has someone do it for her. Like, I think, I don't know who though. Someone she calls Ward. I can't actually remember who Ward was. She, uh, there's so many characters. That in this actress, movie. by the way, Heather Golden Hirsch. Golden Hirsch, yep. Um, has the best walk of any actress I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was so impressed with her just watching her walk. Like, her whole kind of core, her whole body stays absolutely still as she, like, in heels and a pencil skirt keeps up with Josh Brolin just, like, strolling towards the camera. Mm. And she is just like just behind him the whole time and keeping up with him and she never moves her body 
She moves her head and her arms, but never. I was like, I was enthralled. Yeah, lots of Pilates, obviously. It was really weird because it wasn't like the normal sort of totter in heels. It was like an advanced tottering. It was amazing. I was amazed. I think that was why they cast her, that just the fact that Probably. she can walk like that. Mm-hmm. And then like Frances McDormand is in this tiny role where she's funny, but why? And um, and so is but, um, yeah, and like, is it just to show that there were a lot of women editors? I think I think that's entirely why it's there. But then sure. why didn't they show all the other women who worked in Hollywood? Because like they don't really care about women so why it's just like oh my wife is great let's make her the yeah well editor. i think they're also like you know there was it was all these men in positions of power but look all of the in all of the all the best early editors were women and there's so always been so many women in editing and they do so well yeah but they don't get anything to do for the story no and i think part of that was very that whole scene was kind of like this um you know hipster fantasy that they got to pull out an old editing machine and make it go click and whir and clunk and grab her yeah. scarf and that's half the fun of that scene yeah i know but that's the thing is that, that that's what this movie is predicated on, I think. It's like, oh, we can do this fun scene. How can we put that in the movie? Wouldn't it be fun to teach Channing Tatum to tap dance? Let's put that in the movie. Mm. Yeah, exactly like that. And then, like, he, I mean, he really does make the most out of his two scenes, mm. but he has two, no, he has three scenes. And you're like, but he's the main, like, person involved in this plot. I really wonder how he found time to change between when he left the restaurant and when he was in the, he's in the blue coat when he's on the boat and he's completely changed his clothes. And it's I don't a movie. Uh, anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah, he he does. He really, like, he's incredibly, like, high camp and really getting into the whole thing. It's pretty cool. Well, he got more laughs, I think, out of the audience than anybody else did. And none of them from, not really many from his lines either. A lot no. from his, the way he moved or his, uh, yeah. his, his looks or, like, looks to the camera and things like that. And there were a couple of posing. bits that we laughed at or a couple people laughed at that nobody else laughed at. There was a bit, oh, you were absolutely cracking up at the submarine very slowly coming up from in the water. <laughs> cracked me up. Which I cracked nobody that else so up. funny. Yeah. That's the thing is that like I think maybe they have very subjective humour or something. But I just it wasn't so much just the submarine. It's the It was the fact that there's like all these guys in the boat and they're all kind of flopping about and Channing Tatum is like poised perfectly holding this cat with his foot up on the front of the boat and never wobbles Not at all and everybody else is like and the, the submarine just keeps coming up and I just couldn't I couldn't stop. I thought it was so funny. Yeah. And depending on, like, there's this really awkward scene where um they try and make the country country oh, boy. so cute. They try and make him star in this, like, English country house picture and he just can't do it. He can't say the lines. And it's and we were sitting there going, oh, my poor baby. And that's how you're meant to feel. But there were a lot of people who were just laughing. And I think they were laughing just because they were feeling so awkward. Yeah. And they didn't know what else to do. Um, Yeah. And the thing is, like, he was, Olin Ehrenreich is, like, the third build person in this movie and, and was in the trailer as well. And we're everybody's just like who is this guy that you know you know from that when they do that in the trailer that he's going to be like the breakout star of this and he's going to be the best thing in it and he was so the best thing in it oh god yeah like absolutely because he of all the characters of all the actors who are actually affecting the main plot he was easily the scene stealer Mm -hmm. I mean he just sold all of this like awkward adorable well-meaning actor who you know but it was kind of nice that they sort of went he can do things he just can't do the things that they're asking him to do Right, he he really feels like the cliche of the um, fresh off the bus from Middle America Hollywood guy, and he was so sweet. I um I quite liked in a very small role the actress who was playing his um like arranged love interest. Yeah, and then she they was kind so of, cute. And they come to really like each other, but just because he's so sweet and polite, and she's All so that sweet and polite was creepy. Yeah, that was weird. But it's Coen Is Brothers. Coen Brothers, like yeah. Oh, there's a wonderful running gag I was just thinking of that's also a bit Coen Brothersy. Is that George Clooney spends the whole thing in his Roman soldier mm. costume? 
costume. Every time he sits down, he bangs his sword yeah. on something or gets it stuck. It's a, just a cute little running joke, which I thought was good. Yeah, it is. But there's also, like, you're watching it and you're picking out all the little, like, all the Coen brothers' characters, mm-hmm. like the four religious people, yeah. um, the the communist guys and the David Cromholtz character who everybody tells to shut up every kind of couple mm-hmm. minutes. Um, you're just going through it and you're like, uh, if you had no idea who made this movie, it would be really obvious who made this movie. If you knew They're who like, the Coen brothers were, yes. Well, yeah, but that's the thing is that, like, it's like, you know, the, the, but the thing is the Coen brothers have, we talked about this before, but they basically seem to have three types of movie, right? Mm-hmm. So they've got, like, the awkward hipster indie movie. So, like, Inside like Lewin Davis. a drama but with comedy bits that aren't that funny mm-hmm. and so, like, are terribly Fargo. negative about life. <laughs> Yeah. Um. No. I, that's more like um. Inside Lewin Davis and a serious man. Yep. And yep. stuff like that. That almost nobody. The ones that nobody sees. Okay. <laughs> those yep. ones. And then there's like the dramas that are like mm. Fargo. Um. That are you know more and um that great mob one that we watched that I can never remember the name of. It's the crime not mob the c- crime one that like anyway they do that sort of thing and um. No Country for Old Men and stuff mm, like that. Oh, the, yeah. The, the dramas, right? Fargo yeah. has some com- Oh, yeah, comedy Fargo. Moments, I forgot like- they did No Country for Old Men. Yes, Fargo yes. and No Country, yeah. <laughs> right. And then the third type is the comedy farce type thing, which is like you could probably put Le- Big Lebowski into that category. Yeah, like, yeah. Big Lebowski kind of straddles, I think, the indie and the comedy, but it's more in the farce comedy type thing. And then Oh Brother, Where Art Thou and Hail Caesar. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are the three basic types of Coen Brother movies. Yeah. But the thing is, in all three movies, you've got these t- same character archetypes that come up all the mm. time, like slightly annoying Jewish men yeah. who were never played by the same actors. And you're <laughs> like, but it's still the same character. Guys. But it was very, it was very exciting because it was Robert Picardo, the Doctor yeah, from yeah. Voyager. So that was super exciting. No, he's, there's like five of them in this movie. It's also David Crumholtz. Um, yes, yes. Because Dave, David Crumholtz oh, is in and, the background and, um, of that first scene he's in, and then you finally see his face, and I was like, oh. And um, uh, not Albert Einstein, but the yeah, yeah, like sort of professor character. Yeah. So there's that kind of character, and there's there's yeah you know, there's those jokes that like push the boundaries mm. of funny and awkward and icky. Yeah. Um, and all that sort of stuff where you're like, mm, okay, I can see what you guys are doing here. I just don't like it very much. And yeah, it's just it is what it is. I don't think this is one of their. This is clearly not one of their better movies. I don't think it's fun, but it just doesn't have any. They're not. What are they trying to say with this movie? Yeah. Um. And that's that's always something that comes up when you get a movie about movies kind of thing. You're like, well, yeah, you had fun. You got to spoof your own industry, but what does this like? What value does this add for the audience? Yeah. And that's the thing is that the movie seemed to be trying really hard to do that. With movies are inherently valuable. It was mm. trying to say movies are movies inherently, are inherently val- valuable. The people who are involved in them are inherently fallible and hypocritical, but also inherently valuable. Valuable, I yeah, think. inherently like valuable, humans. and it's it's worth doing, and and that trying to make everybody conform to the same standard and do the same thing is not uh, is not a workable way to run the world, right? And the humans are fallible thing is like their thing anyway. I mean, mm. they you know they do that all the time, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I th- mean, inside th- Lewin Davis, Lewin is like hugely unlikable for most of the movie. He's oh, just awful he lets a lot someone's of the time. cat out. That's just no, awesome. that was an accident. <laughs> no, I know. No, he's he's just really difficult. He's really yeah. difficult, well, and I he mean, doesn't smile. And they, which was an acting and choice. That is what they like. Then they like to explore that, and that's okay. Although, as you point out, they don't like to explore it with women. <laughs> they like to explore men being complicated and difficult and weird, and because men are allowed up. to be. And this yeah. this had a lot of stuff about man that I was like, Ugh. um, there were a lot of just a lot of stuff where it seemed like, and also they. 
they seemed like with uh, Alison Pill that they were spoofing that kind of character, but also like they they didn't have anything to go well, like they weren't saying anything. This about was it. the problem. They were just like, oh, isn't it funny when women are like this? Right, but this was the problem with all of their female characters. We have we have mothers, maidens, and crones, and not much mm-hmm. else. So you've got her; she's the mother, you know, perfect. And oh, you know best, dear. Um, and, and um, and Scarlett Johansson with her, I guess you'd call her the whore. Yeah. Um, she that, is. in that that trope. And you've got the crones, the the two sisters played by Tilda Swinton, who are the spinster. That's another Coen Brothers yeah, joke that you're like, the, that's not. It just doesn't. But these that funny, tro- guys. tropes are so much older than the Coen Brothers, and they're the oh, no, uh, they're the twins, the Tilda Swinton oh, playing right. twins but, that are basically but the same. She's person. a crone, but also you, we've also got the secretary. Is another like old spinsterish type woman with a career. And to be fair, we know nothing about her. No, but that's that's the. I mean, you know, she could be the female equivalent of, of right, him for all but we this know. This is the way she's presented as like spinsterish and old, right? And so all we have are these tropish women. You know, I don't know. She's not whores. presented as anything except for that very capable yeah. assistant trope, like Margaret on the West Wing or something like yeah. that. Way that's that trope is just that she's only there to. Right. But she is also be like hyper competent assistant. That's right. It. But she is also like a little bit older and has a shirt buttoned right up, and she's still working at her age and all this kind of stuff. So, but that's not the. But if, she, I don't if think it's any of those are inherently. But if it's nineteen fifty something and she is working like that, the odds are she's not married or got children. I like, just don't think that any of that is inherently true but about so, the character. We know nothing about her except that she's good at her job and she follows him around all the time. Yeah, but all of these women are stereotypes, right? Yes. There's I no, agree that she's a stereotype. So I just don't when know. When you do things like make the wife say stupid shit like, you know best, dear, you're not – because there's no women on, on the screen who are, like, subverting that, Yeah, subverting a stereotype. Well, the Coen brothers literally don't know about this stuff because, it, I mean, you've, they've been super insensitive lately about the Oscars thing and things like that where um, they're like okay. – yeah, I'm not keeping up with that. Oh, okay. So yeah, she, but yeah. they, they, they were interviewed and they was like, oh, what do you think? We have to have a laundry list. Oh, you have to check off all of these minorities in order to make a movie. You just make the movie you want to make. And these guys keep like, making maybe the same guys, movie. guys, you should have a laundry list because you've made the same movie for the last 20 years. And- well, it's not the same, but it, they are. They keep putting the same characters yeah. in them and they just keep making them about S- similar archetypes and, and it's always about a man. But the thing other is, than Fargo. also, they, yeah, but they haven't picked up on the success of Fargo resting on Margot's, Margot, is that even her name? Marge. Marge. Gunderson, they haven't picked up on how much of that rests on her shoulders as a female character that is so unusual and that you don't get to see very often. Mm. And it's, they never, tr- they never looked at that and went, maybe we should do something like that again. No, they just keep doing these like movies about dudes getting up to hijinks and mm. or dudes being very, you know, serious and miserable. And or- it's like, well, it's like they want to hang out with their friends who are like them, you know, forty-something blokes. Yeah, or, I mean, it's clearly Channing Tatum's becoming a new friend because now now they're working on the Gambit screenplay. Well, that yeah, I I just yeah, I mean they they're mocking this laundry list thing, and but I'm like yeah, maybe you guys really should think about that because mm. you want to try something different. You guys just keep making the same movies. Um, but I mean, all that said, it is still a lot of fun. It is. I I didn't think it was as funny as it could have been, and I think that is because they didn't. I don't know. I just didn't. It didn't seem to be to know what it was about. Really, mm. the the religious stuff still. I'm like, I don't know what you guys are doing with this. And also the the thing about the that I was going to talk about with the wife as well is that his wife and children's wishes and needs never come into which job he picks, Mm. right? Like the fact that he is neglecting his family never comes into which job he picks. And clearly his wife is just running the household and perfectly happy to do it, which kind of takes that off his shoulders a bit. And you're like, but 
men should be thinking about this. You guys don't get to have a free pass just because she's good at mothering. And they also don't have a very typical, like, married people conversation because when that started, um, I thought it was going to go down the path. Like, the wife seems to be playing that game of, like, well, he's got to make this decision for himself. I'd really rather he did this, but I'm just going to, you know, sit this out until he decides for himself that he's going to do that. But then it kind of goes, it just, they just, they don't really go down the path of actually discussing whether he should take the job or not. That he just, she's just like, well, I'd like the less hours. And then that's it. We never, they never, like, they never go beyond that at no. all. Yeah, that I mean, that whole thing is just stupid. Like, there's no reason he'd ever even take the job no. in the first place. That's the thing is that and, – and but the thing is you can see it every time he meets with the other guy because the other guy keeps insulting movies, mm. like, inherently, where he's like, movies are silly. And people keep doing that in this movie where they're like, movies are silly. And you're like, we clearly don't think that. We're all sitting here watching it and mm. you guys don't think it because you make because movies. Because you're, you're putting all this effort into making it. Because, like, oh, my God, they must have had to build so many sets and so, like, the – the amount of work that's gone into it. Like, they love doing this. Right. But that's the thing is that it there feels it feels like there's so much love for movies in it, but the movie's not really about that. I mean, that's what movies like The Artist and stuff are about, right? The, this kind of love of making movies. And, yeah. and and Eddie clearly loves being in the this business. And he, he loves all these people that he's trying to help out in spite of the fact that they're all, you know... <laughs> Yeah, self-sabotaging but like, all the time. He's basically, like, what does he add? Like, he's basically Olivia Pope in the movie business. You yeah. Know? And he's like, I'm running this place. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. There's no, nobody else is doing their jobs. It's all you. Mm. And that, but he, like, I think they were trying to also send up the studio system, but mm. I don't think people know enough about the studio Not system anymore. anymore. Like, if you're like, a they Cohen, have to give us more information about right. the studio system for that to pay off as right. well. Right. If you're in the movies, you know about that stuff. If you're really into movies, but a, a general viewing public, especially now, especially like, this is, the events of 60, 70 years ago. So we're not going to know about the studio system and the way the contracts worked and all the, you know, the way they were able to control the media and all that. They, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, and if you're going to do that, if you're going to spoof the studio system, then give us the information about the studio system that you're spoofing. Mm-hmm. What are you spoofing here? What are you doing with it? It does assume and, quite and a lot. And also the the um voiceover stuff. Yeah, Michael with Michael Gambon. What? The, well, he was God. God was voice, yeah, voice doing the God. voiceover. Very strange. But uh, there's a double voiceover as well because we open with his voiceover for Eddie. Or do we open with it? Because there's also a voice voiceover for Hail Caesar. Like they, oh. they do an opening that's that's um. But it's all done by Michael Gambon. Yeah, but it's two different voiceovers for two different movies. Yeah, the movie that we're watching yeah, and the movie within the, it. Yeah. So that is really odd mm. and 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 awkward and dumb. It just doesn't work. Also, we don't get to see a lot of the people who are actually studio people. We just see the actors and Eddie. There's one or two directors, but no producers. There's no well, we do. I mean, the studio head's not there. We sort of go past them very quickly. Like there's a clearly a sound guy, and then and obviously we have our scene with the editor, and we have there was, there's a scene with the script woman, and but but it it does seem like Eddie is the person who's running everything, which is very strange because he shouldn't be. Well, no, I had not really. I mean, he just stops in. On, on sets to have a visit. He does. He yeah. just kind of swans in, fixes something and leaves. He doesn't really run everything. He's not doing all the business. Well, he's doing some of the business deals, but largely what he's doing is like media management and image and issues management kind of stuff. But it just doesn't, I, I feel like they're not giving us enough information about making, I mean, if you watch something like The Player, hmm. that gives us all of this information about what Hollywood is like in like that that famous single take scene, you know, when it comes into Tim Robbins' office yeah. and then out of it and around and 
you go into the different offices and people are talking about different things. And, mm-hmm. and a movie like that gives you all of this information, but is also at the same time funny and interesting to watch, right? Yeah. But the player, I remember not liking watching it that much, but talking about it, I liked. <laughs> I actually liked watching it, but yeah, I um, like, I've always liked Robert Altman. Uh, but this one doesn't do that. It doesn't give you the information about making movies that you need in order for them to spoof it properly. Mm. And it doesn't give you the information. It doesn't give you information about what they're trying to make jokes about. Oh, it's really, it is inside baseball. It's like they're making this with all their assumed knowledge and all their friends assumed knowledge and they assume you will, will be want to be in on their inside joke. Yeah. I'm coming back to that self-indulgence point again, but anyway. It does feel very, it's a, it's a very self-indulgent movie. And the thing is, I like movies about movies. Yeah, I love movies about movies, which is why, like, I'll probably give this more than it deserves just because I had so much fun. But see, I, and there were scenes that definitely, I mean, I could watch that dance scene like 10 times. Yeah, I love that. You, I feel like you will and you will reblog it on Tumblr and probably, yeah. Give some, I, yeah. I, that is like, I grew up literally that, those were the thing, movies that made me fall in love with movies as Gene, I mean, that's Gene Kelly. Mm. That, that is actually spoofing, um, probably either on the town or, um, no, it would be on the town. It's spoofing yeah, on the town. Yeah, that's the one with the, um, with Frank Sinatra. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but there's also, it's always fair weather, which is another one where yeah, they're sailors two, and they come back. There's two Gene Kelly sailor dancing movies. But yes. The one with, the famous one is with Frank Sinatra, which is on the town. Which is on Sinatra, the town. Yes. And that, but that one, and that's it, to my mind, the inferior Gene Ke- Kelly sailor right. back movie. Um, but that is, I mean, you can tell, I mean, I watched these growing up. This was a, like, this is what made me fall in love with movies. So getting to watch a scene like that and watching, I used to watch Esther Williams movies when I was a kid too. Mm. So I was a weird kid. Yeah. So when I watched that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting because they're like recreating this. But Ch- Channing Tatum is not just a, like a, triple threat he's like a genuine movie star yeah yeah i mean technically hugh jackman is i also don't know a, how good a singer channing a tatum is is a musical theater person uh no i feel like that song that he sang was either not performed by him or very heavily I edited f- well i actually feel like he maybe sung like the first couple of lines and and everyone else did the have in fact if you know if you watched it you would see that he only sung the first couple of lines and then he sings in it but i just but every like but everybody heavy. else the others carried the rest of the singing yeah that's okay he's a wonderful dancer he is a good dancer um and, we always and gene kelly was not that strong a singer to be honest either um but yeah i i don't know i feel like this movie didn't know what it was do it they they released it still not knowing what it was what its point was what's its purpose what is it about well that's why it's been held over to february as well like it, why would not otherwise they would put it out in oscar season yeah but they didn't they were like oh, we don't really know what to do with this one i feel like that kind of aimlessness is is in a lot of their movies lately actually mm. i felt like that when i was watching inside lewin davis but Which there is are, their last film to, before this to yeah? be fair there are people who are huge fans of that movie and have really kind of were really a kind of, of a, affected by it was it. a bit of a hipster darling when it came out yeah it is i mean it is a hipster movie it, and it does have much more of a point than this one does, which is kind of that there's no point, but at least it knew Isn't what it was Oscar doing. Oscar Isaac like, the point? <laughs> Oscar Isaac singing and, mm. and like with his pretty hair. And his cat. Well, the cat is, is you know, plotty. Yeah. It represents his dead partner and his grief over his dead partner. Not his oh, singing but... partner commits suicide yeah. in the movie and the whole movie he's trying to get past right. that. No, no, you've just then... reminded me of something in this movie though. Oh. When you said dead partner, it's the, um, the way it handles the gay stuff is really strange. Like It, it is. We have this wonderful homoerotic dance number with Channing Tatum and yeah. all his sailor friends, and the you know the resolution of the plot is that you know, he's sleeping with one of the directors, but also is a communist. And then the big piece of gossip about Bad Whitlock is that he once also slept with that director. But like the way they kind of talk which is about, Ray Fiennes, right? But the they director. kind of talk about the gayness is all in the closet, even though they the way well, the way that comes out at the end is that you know winking to a modern audience that that somebody had you know affairs with someone of the same sex would just be 
so silly and nowadays, but in the 50s it was a big deal because, you know, it was illegal and all that sort of stuff. And they kind of seem to be dealing with it in a very 1950s way, like the movie yeah. sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudges yes, about exactly. it. They don't, they don't actually uh, so, get – you don't get to see Bert – so it's sort of like that, with anybody, that which thing. is kind of what I, right. I, I just kept expecting it to yeah. mean something. And, and this is again that thing that I call moffateering that was also in the happened with the women where they think they've sent something up, but in fact they're just doing the thing. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I mean, there's there's no kind of emotional weight to any of that stuff either. No, there's no emotional right. weight. I don't think in the movie, nothing has emotional no. weight. And that's what I think. I think they were trying to be like, well, it doesn't have any emotional weight because you know, as a modern audience, we would be like, well, that's a silly thing to be worried about. But like it has, it should have emotional weight in the time period. But even then, it doesn't feel like it does. No, and it doesn't. And but it also feels like they're also ashamed of it. The one hand, they don't care, and one hand, they're ashamed of it. And it's also, it just seems weird, and they don't really ever get into it. And then, yeah, nobody, you never see any of them other than Channing Tatum and his dance routine actually, you know, be with their boyfriends or even flirt with other men. Even no, well, no. I mean, I definitely when when they were talking about the the affairs with directors and stuff like that, I was like, well, it's going to be with Ray Fine's character because Ray Fine's character was flirting with uh, Hobie when yeah, he yeah. first showed up on the set and then when he realised he couldn't act, he was like, no, why is this happening? So... I mean, that was clearly what the character yeah, was and like, doing. But but also, oh, there's so many characters in this movie and none of them are really given any emotional weight or any reason to be there. Like The only person who really felt like they had a purpose and really kind of affected the plot but were also interesting as a character and you laughed at them but they were also likable is... Hobie, old and Aaron. Mm. He's the only Aaron Reich. He's the only person in this whole movie that matters, like yeah. at all. He's the only person whose emotions you can understand. Yeah, you can sort of understand like the main character's frustration a little bit, but you know, he he, that you don't care. Yeah, the only person you care about is Hobie. But there's never any stakes for Hobie either. There's no kind of like what was the stakes for any of the characters? What is the what are the stakes of this movie? Mm. Nothing matters. Exactly. Like it's it's sort of a vehicle for George Clooney to be charming. In a dorky, silly kind yeah, of way. Yeah, well, he was he was cute, dorky, charming. Like, it, it, that was cute. I just don't know what the, like, wh- why does this movie exist? Why did they make it? Well, I think we, I think I answered that a couple of times. No, but bit. you can't just go, oh, I wanted to make fun of Hollywood. Like, you, wh- why does this story, what is the story that they're trying to tell us? I don't know. I, I, I just feel like they, it's so lazy. Yeah. And, and it frustrates me. Now, I'll probably give it more than it deserves to because there were bits that I really liked. I just wish yeah, yeah. that they had There's probably like had more. a whole star in there for Channing's dance scene. And I also felt like there's just too much of the communists. I felt like like there were at least But the communists two... never felt like there was any stakes there. Now, when no. I get they were doing the whole thing for a modern audience who realized that the communists were the opposite of dangerous, mostly. Like most but also Hollywood the, the opposite communists. Of, like this. This, the, what they were in this movie was so ridiculous and farcical but not funny like they because they're just they're a totally um hopeless Mm. at it at all of the stuff that they're doing but also b they're not anything like real communists either the only person with any kind of threat was bert and you don't feel that until the sub shows up no like and there's no kind of indication before that that bert is absolutely nothing until we get to the restaurant and you see the the suitcase suitcase, yeah and then we were like oh they're gonna meet there might be flirting (laughs) <laughs> they didn't even meet each other. No. <laughs> There's nothing. Was this because uh, there was thing. a bit where, like, the, where um, Elden Aaron, Aaron and I were sitting singing in the movie, and I w- and um, we were like, oh, they should put him in the musicals, and then they can play boyfriends, right? Well, and he does, yeah. Well, he does some rope tricks with his um, lasso, and so yeah, yeah, the dancing. That's right. Yeah. He can sing and dance. He should be in the dancing movies, and then they Obviously. can be boyfriends, which would have been a more interesting story than the one we got here. Mm. Then they might have had to keep that secret. Yeah, that and then there would have been some emotional weight to that. Right. He would have had to keep it secret. 
Britney's got this cute sweet girl girlfriend who's really interested who's in him. Actually, a nice person, and yeah, and he likes her. And yeah. and meanwhile, he's having an affair with this Russian spy. Yeah, come on, that would have been a great story. <laughs> this I know. Story was, I'll just write my own story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, we should just wrap it up and give it a rating because I'm only saying the stuff I've already felt. I just yeah, it frustrated me. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to give it three stars because I. Just had fun. No, I'm only going to give it two and a half. Probably doesn't even deserve that. Probably deserves two, but I'll give it an extra half a star for Channing Tatum singing and dancing and in a sailor suit. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read our show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're on Facebook, search for Silver Screen Queens. We're on Twitter, at screen underscore queens. And we're on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to read Katie's reviews of Hail Caesar or I nearly said Hello Sailor. <laughs> if you want to read Katie's review of Hail Caesar or any of the other movies that she watches, you can find them on her blog. The 500 Oscar Isaac movies that I'm watching at the moment. Silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.